in and out, that you be sure you take your temperature and know that you don't have any fever uh, when you come. And be sure, again, as we have, uh, is, as we're able to keep spacing between family groups or groups that come together. Very important. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us on YouTube. Really appreciate you taking the time to click over and join us. Encourage you to give us a like for this uh, particular uh, airing and also subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. I, I think you'll be blessed by that. If you're new to us, we want to particularly be sure you know to go to www.ljchurch.org. You'll find a lot of information there that can be very helpful for you. Uh, it's always changing, and so we want you to, to go and visit pretty often. Uh, also want to be sure that you know through our website, you can download the caring and sharing for today. If you're here in person, I hope you got a hard copy. Uh, if you didn't get one on the way in, please pick that one up on the way out. Keep the caring and sharing with you as it becomes a great place to, to turn when you go to times of prayer and uh, the ability to pray for the folks that we have listed there. And of course, many others that you are aware of. Want to be sure that you're aware that we uh, hopefully you got one of the little cups on your way in, one of the little single serve communion sets. Uh, you'll need that at the end of the service. We will celebrate the Lord's Supper together at that time. And uh, in the same way that we're not having passing of trays for the communion elements, our giving is also either online through the QR code or there's a box in the back for you to put uh, cash or checks in any time that you'd like to. And, of course, a bucket for our kids' gift gifts and so that's, that's available for you. Uh, our parents of teenagers need to be aware that coming up at the end of the month, February the 27th, they're going to be having a retreat where the, the speakers for Soul Lift will be streamed live and, and you'll be able to see that to, together with a couple of other youth groups. I think that's going to be fun, a day down at Palacios. Um, and at church, we need to be praying that good things go on there. We've uh, turned the calendar into February, and if you're not aware, I'll remind you that each month we emphasize a different one of our mission efforts, whether it's a domestic mission in, in our area or here in the United States or foreign mission. This is one of our foreign missions that we work with Hope for Haiti's Children. Uh, I encourage you to Google Hope for Haiti's Children and take a look at the things that they have online, but you'll be hearing more about that as the month unfolds, particularly uh, Roger is preparing a presentation for the last Sunday morning during Bible class of, of February. So I think that you'll want to kind of mark that on your calendar and be sure that you want to be a part of that. We have been in the process and we've been letting you know actually even since December that this spring we would be going through a process of discerning our hearts and I, trying to identify men that we want to be elders who shepherd this congregation uh, this spring. Today's a special day. You'll hear more about it. Chris will come and tell you a little more details. But today is the first Sunday of our nomination period. So hopefully you've been praying. Number one, everybody say praying with me. Hopefully you've been praying. I, I heard folks all the way through YouTube on that one. That was awesome. You've been praying. And then you've also been discerning men that you want to nominate. And you'll have that opportunity this Sunday and the next two Sundays. Again, more details coming at the end of the service with Chris. Please stand with me as we begin our worship together. We'll be quoting from Psalm 23. We'll be reciting together from Psalm 33. Excuse me. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. 
He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his steadfast love of the Lord. But the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, sorry, the heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Let's worship.
bow your heads with me, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've given us the gift of being able to come before you and talk to you and, and the blessings of that, and, and uh, we really appreciate and thank you so much for that. We thank you for your word that you give us, that we can celebrate you and, and learn of you and obey you through your commands. Father, during this time, this congregation, we're going through uh, some changes and uh, selecting some additional leaders, and we ask that you be with each one of us individually, that we can have the right minds and right thoughts to uh, uh, make that selection. But we know, Father, that ultimately that you're guiding us, that it's your hand and, and your way that uh, is going to bless this congregation and that the right decisions will be made for you to advance your kingdom. We thank you so much for that. Father, there's a lot of folks that uh, we'd like to pray for right now that are, uh, that are ill, that uh, are having tests. And we have Marie Vargas, Lisa Hunt, Ronnie Mullins, uh, Olaf Brannan, uh, uh, Baron, Shirley Kimmerling, Kimmerling uh, Carl Adam Alke, uh, Van and Sue Talbot, Tina and Joe Falls, Bernice Skinner, and, and many others, Father. Uh, we ask that you bring them back to health. Use your miraculous hand to give them the health and the strength. But we also understand, Father, that there is a blessing in going on to, to, to being with you, Father. And when we do have have those that we've lost we, we lose so many and, and we know that they have a home with you and that's a that's a cause to be celebrated as well thank you so much for that father thank you for the leaders that we do have with this congregation and all the uh, people that that do work and, and are strong in this helping us become the right kind of uh, teaching vehicle for you to teach others so that others know that you are our God our king our savior and in our Lord. Be with us as we go through the rest of this, uh, this worship today. Guide our hearts. Help us focus on you, on your word, and the things that are the words that are brought to us, and that we understand them in the right spiritual way. Forgive us, Father. We do fail you. We do it every day, and we are so sorry, and we ask for your forgiveness. Please bless us and help us to be strong. Help us when our faith is weak and Help us in our unbelief at times. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'll be reading from John 21, 4 through 10. Early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far away from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, 
Bring some of the fish you just caught. Perry, congratulations. Church, congratulations. I was wa- lost in wonder, love, and praise with you on that song. Somebody say amen. And they forgot completely that I was next on the list. I'm a little dry this morning. Um, the times in my life, 
I'm, I'm not a big camper. I've not gone camping every time you turn around. It's just not been kind of part of my, my upbringing. But there were times when our family went camping. And uh, I, I did discover that my dad had one thing that he was really kind of good at. He, he, he knew how to figure out how a process of we'd cook eggs on an open fire, uh, cook bacon on an open fire, You'd pull the bacon off, you had grease, and then you'd cook potatoes. You'd cut up potatoes and put them in there, open fire, and then you would just throw the, crumble up the bacon, throw it in there, and throw eggs on top of that, and you, you had this scrambled egg thing. It worked. And every time I smell a campfire, I can taste eggs, potatoes, and bacon. Especially eggs, potatoes, and bacon just have a few burned pieces in. You know, it's an open fire, so you get, have a little bit of burns on them. As a youth minister, um, it became a tradition to have a campfire to close out the year. Uh, end of the summer, we're sending seniors off to college and those kinds of things. And we wouldn't just have a campfire, but it oftentimes, if, if the weather was right, we'd have a camp out. And um, the kids knew that I would fall asleep. And there were other adults there, but the other adults, for some reason or another, were in collusion with the kids. And they would never tell me what went on after I fell asleep in front of the campfire. They thought that was just the funniest thing ever. But I also have this memory of a birthday with Drew. I don't know if it was 12 or 13, something like that. Dad, I want to have a camp out. Great, we will go. Uh, where my parents owned a piece of property. We had a tree house. Dad had just refurbished the tree house, actually rented a scissor lift to build it this time as opposed to telling me hold on to the trunk of the tree so he could be, you know, hold on to my back of my belt and put boards in, things like that. I, I, these grandchildren just, I mean, just totally spoiled. No fear whatsoever. Just ride the scissor lift up and put it in place. Drew wanted to camp out. We headed out there. Great fire. I decided that I would make eggs and bacon and potatoes in the evening as opposed to in the morning, partially because there were these clouds on the horizon. We had a great time around the fire. I didn't fall asleep this time, but they ran around and did stuff, and I didn't ask too much about whatever they did. But I do remember the smell of the fire and then the sound of hissing as raindrops began to hit And I just never forget this because they were up in the treehouse, about five of them. We were in a pickup truck, pretty crowded. And all I had to do was say, boys! <laughs> they had been up and been watching the lightning coming in and all this kind of, were just waiting for me to say, it's time to go. And they come scrambling, literally throwing sleeping bags off the edge of the thing. We're, we, we actually went back a couple of days later when it quit raining and there were several things that didn't get picked up that in the dark there. We all crammed into the front of the pickup. There's very little that smells uniquely like 12-year-old boys who've been running around all night and then they got wet, just so you know. There's very few things. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how our memories can be tied to not just the sight of a campfire, because I think what's even more powerful about a campfire is the way it smells and the way those memories are awakened within us when we smell 
those things. Talon, thank you for your reading from John 21. Cast your nets on the right side, and they couldn't pull it all in. And Peter runs or swims in because he sees Jesus. And Jesus says, bring some fish. They put it on the fire. They eat together. When the meal is concluded, this conversation begins. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I think he's pointing to the other disciples. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know, and by the way, it's interesting that he, he doesn't enter into the comparison. That I love you. And Jesus said, say it with me. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And John, P- Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Say it with me. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And don't we sympathize with this? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. I've been hanging around with you for three years, and you know the answer to these questions before you ever ask them. So you know my heart. You know all things, and you know I love you. And Jesus said, say it with me, please. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. For anyone who steps into any kind of leadership role, particularly when we move from that idea like we talked about last week of leadership as an example, I lead by my example, to a leadership where I start making decisions for other people. We as a couple start making decisions in a marriage. We as a family start making decisions for our children. We, as Bible class teachers, start making decisions about how we'll teach and what we'll teach because we're guiding others, we're leading others. I don't think there's a greater call in all of Scripture than Jesus' call to Peter, feed my sheep. In many ways, it summarizes the function of what all leadership is supposed to be about, but as we've already mentioned multiple times today, as we point towards the idea of identifying elders to serve this congregation, the concept that above all else, what we need you to do is feed the sheep. But it also filters down into every one of our roles as someone who will lead. Now, There may be some of you who are sitting here that say, wait a minute, I'm not in that place where I lead yet. I'm still a student. I'm still, and I'm just leading by example. I'm not making any decisions for anybody else except what I can promise you is that you're making decisions today and establishing patterns today that will impact the kind of leader that you will be, the kind of feed my sheep person that you can become. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. But to feed my sheep, there are basically three things that I would summarize are involved in that. First of all, we must provide for the sheep. Whoever our flock is, whoever we're leading, we need to be sure that they have what they they need to, if we're a teacher, they have what they need to learn. If we're a parent, they have what they need to grow up. 
In our society, the idea that the provision of clean water and food is sort of a given. There are parts of the world, Julie and I have been to parts of the world where parents are working real hard to find enough food and water for their children to have, to provide for them, just basic sort of needs, to have a roof over their head, to provide for them to flourish. And to a certain extent, when we look at what God's instructions to us are, we can almost always identify the fact that when he instructs us to not lie or when he instructs us to be faithful, that he's providing for us something better. Secondly, if I'm going to feed sheep as a leader, I don't just provide for folks, I protect folks. Parents, you have engaged in this from the moment that 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 thing that was in mommy's tummy came out and the doctor said, here's your son or daughter. Maybe for a couple of you they said, and here's the next son or daughter, and here's, you know, that kind of a thing. But from that moment, suddenly, and it seems, at least in our society, that our minds turn not so much, am I going to be able to get them food and water and housing and clothes and all that kind of stuff. Our minds in our society particularly turn to, how will I ever protect them? There are people who have given up on the idea that a child can be protected in our society and they're just not going to have children because there's too many dangers. I think that's a mistake. I think as people of God, God has said we are to be fruitful and multiply and that we find a great blessing in the process of becoming parents. Is it hard work? Somebody say. There were more female voices in that. I'm not sure exactly what that is. There but we recognize that there is great joy. And, and what I want to say to you is one of the reasons that God encourages us, and, and I recognize that there are people who struggle with having children, but God generally wants to point us towards the idea that you will know me better and you will become somebody who is more aware of what it is to give faithful love to someone sacrificial love to someone if you step into parenthood and so he wants to bless us in that way but as parents we have this incredible need to protect whether it's don't touch the hot stove or it is the incredible difficult process of discerning whether a movie or a tv show or a particular musical artist or an activity that goes on for children of my children's ages, is that, is that something that is leading them in a direction that's negative or is that something that can be something that can be used for positive gain? Let me just be sure and say, you can provide, you can combine provision and protection by doing one simple thing, and this is not the only thing you need to do, but, and this is tongue-in-cheek, you're right, but parents... There are these things called Bible classes that are going on at 9.30 on Sunday morning. And soon you're going to be hearing about Bible classes for children going on on Wednesday night. Somebody say hallelujah. We're going to have those things going on sooner rather than later. And in that moment you get to provide the good that God wants for them and you get to protect them. Because see they're not at home watching TV if they're here. Simple step, great opportunity. Provide, protect, and finally, guidance. God doesn't just 
pull sheep out of the hat when he starts talking about the way that he cares for people. He doesn't use cattle. He doesn't use ducks. He doesn't use a lot of things. He uses sheep. Sheep are thought to be a relatively intelligent animal at different times, except there are certain behaviors that they have, like the fact that they can be so consumed with eating the next blade of grass that they will just wind up anywhere because they're just kind of following what comes naturally. If I'm a shepherd and I am dealing with sheep, then I have to be sure that I'm guiding them to the best places, that I'm not letting them overgraze a pasture, that I'm making sure that we stay away from those places where they can fall into ravines and things akin to that. I make sure that the water that I take them to is not fast-moving water. I want to be sure it's calm water because they can literally step off into it and be swept away. I want to guide them where they need to go. And as parents, as teachers, as people who lead in business settings, we have this obligation to point in the right direction, to point in good directions, to say this is a preferred path for us to go. And oftentimes, it's not going to be the idea that God stands there and say, Right path, wrong path. More often than not, he says, I need you to trust me and I need you to listen to me. I'll help you discern, but likely the sign at the intersection is not going to be black and white. Likely you're going to have to discern the best ways to go and how few times it will be that it'll just be one of two choices but instead one of multiple choices. And we get to figure out how to guide folks home. To be one who provides and protects, but particularly to be one who guides well as we go about the process of feeding lambs, feeding sheep, taking care of the people that God has entrusted us with. I want to point to a life Teenagers, remember I said that I'd come back to the idea that it's not just about when you get to be a leader that you get to decide how you want to lead. Leadership is developed from the earliest stages in your life. And there are some traits, ways that your life is going. So, number one, and there are quite a few. I'm going to run through them fairly quickly here. First of all, it's a life of scriptural study that leads to wisdom and thought and living. We talked about wisdom last week and we made reference to the idea that to see things the way God wants to see things, we have to turn to his word and we have to depend on him there. And what that should produce as we are getting preparing to guide others is we're investing in our time in God's word so that the wisdom is growing in us. And the wisdom just isn't going to grow as something that's in our heads, an idea, but instead that wisdom starts to find its way out in the way that we live. And that's true long before we step into that role where we become a decision maker for others. Secondly, it's a life that is typified by prayer that leads to fruitful discernment. Prayer that leads to fruitful discernment. 
We've got discerning going on all over the place around here right now. We're discerning what our budget's going to be next year, our ministry potential. We're discerning uh, men that we want to see move forward as elders. That discernment word keeps coming up over and over and over. And there's a big difference to me between discerning and deciding. Sometimes deciding is more about flipping a coin. We're going to decide who gets to receive or kick off at the Super Bowl because we're going to flip a coin. That's how we're going to decide how to do that. Discernment is where we take our life in Scripture and our life in prayer and say, God, speak to me so that I may discern what you see and the way that you would like us to go. It is going to be a life that's full of courage and conviction that continues to stand up in the face of struggles. I remember when I was 16, 17, and 18, and I thought, I cannot wait till I grow up and these struggles go away. I have bad news for you guys. The struggles, as opposed to being small and basically related to individual lives, become large and they affect wholes. And we either learn to be people of courage and conviction on the front end, and we shape our lives towards the idea that I'm not going to fold when the heat gets turned up. Because someday there's going to be a flock that's depending on me to be courageous and hold to my conviction. A life of courage and conviction. Next, it is a life, and I mentioned this last week, but I want to be sure and mention it again because it's so important. A life of distinguishing good from evil. Somebody say amen. There are times where thus saith the Lord can kind of be quoted. But also distinguishing from the good, the better, and from the better, the best. I don't know about you, but as I raised my children, I didn't just kind of sit there and say, ah, well, that's good enough. Anybody in the good enough business when it comes to your children? We're not. I have a feeling that if you're a business leader, I've never been able to step into that kind of a managerial role in a business. Closest thing I've ever come to is I was the oldest teenager who was potting up trees at dad's tree farm on a Saturday and I told them you need to this and you need to that because they were younger teenagers. That doesn't count. I just want you to know. But there are some of you who have that. And I have a feeling that there is no sense in which as a business leader you will ever really succeed long term if it's just, well, this is, this is a good way to go. No. You are looking for the way to make it a better path. And it may be better not just because it produces more profit, but it may be better because it creates a better company and more loyal employees. And we want to point ourselves. And you know what? The people who do this the best, I think, who are the most accomplished at this are people who realize that there's always a best that I haven't yet gotten to. Parents, my prayer is that you are constantly yearning 
for the idea that there is something even better for my child. And by the way, what I mean by that is not I'm going to buy them a better Xbox. I'm going to buy them a better car. I'm going to make sure that they have more stylish shoes or stylish clothes because that's the best. I mean, can they become the best human beings possible if I do this? Can they become the most faithful to God people that they can be if I do this? Not just okay, but the best. Finally, I think the guide, and this is where I have to admit that I moved from a place, particularly where we talk about tending sheep, to being a shepherd of people. It is a life that bears the fruit of good listening. The best kind of leaders are leaders who listen. The best kind of parent is a parent who listens. The best kind of teacher is a teacher who listens. I have a feeling the best kind of business leader is a business leader who listens. Not that you're, oh, which way the wind blowing? But you're trying to create connections. You're trying to understand. You're trying to take yourself out of where you are entrenched and say, I want to understand where somebody else is. Because that may better inform where I am. It's a life that bears the fruit of good listening. And I think sometimes we, we hold up leaders, and maybe this is particularly true of folks that we would say, this is a, a person that I want to be an elder who shepherds our congregation. We say, boy, doesn't he give good speeches? But have you ever sat down with him and experienced being heard. I've got to spend a lot of time with a lot of elders over the years. Um, O.L. Frazier was a guy that was in Belton. And O.L. was always somebody who was calm enough and peaceful enough that he was ready to come and sit in the office and say, how are things going? And he'd listen to a punk youth minister who was just wet behind the ears as he could be, and yet he wanted to hear what was going on. And when I got done with telling him all the things that was going on in our ministry, he said, but what's going on with you? I appreciate in this congregation the way that Bob Long was a person who probably is not going to be the first one to say something. But in that process, I think that we can agree he was somebody who was listening. He's no longer serving as an elder, but I happen to know that many of you probably still see him as someone who is shepherding or one of those leading guides in your life. But see, it's not just the fruit of listening to others, is it? I'm looking for people who show the fruit of listening to God. Isn't it easy to just sit down with prayer and just... I thank you, I thank you, and I need, and I need, and this other person needs. Aren't I good? I'm going to talk about what they need. And we get to the end of the prayer. We say, I never heard from God. The question would be, did you stop long enough to listen? I'm going to close out this lesson, but I want to also say, close out this series of sermons on being good leaders by pointing you to the Gospel of John. 
In the Gospel of John, there are two campfires that we encounter. Did you notice that really interesting, specific language that Jesus had prepared a campfire on the shore, a charcoal campfire? And we could, of course, assume that what that meant was Jesus had been there all night and he had burned the fire long enough for there to be coals there or something like that. Except that what we notice when we read John is that there's another place in John's gospel where a charcoal fire shows up. It's when Peter's sitting in the courtyard outside the room where Jesus is being condemned to death. And three people come up to, say, to him and say, Don't you know Jesus? Aren't you one of his followers? Uh, your accent gives you away. You have to be one of his people. And three times he said no. I could go on to say the other two, but they get kind of profane is what the text tells us. I have a feeling that when Peter got to the shore and he saw the fire, he didn't just see the fire, he smelled the fire. And he remembered where he had smelled and seen that fire before. Three denials. And I don't know if Peter ever got it. But as the people asked him three times, aren't you one of his? And three times he said no. Jesus specifically, three times. And you can pick out some little technical nuances in the language of the three questions, but I have a feeling the real import is that there are three. And they're not three questions to all the disciples. There are three questions to Peter. And three times. Jesus doesn't have to say, peace be with you. Because what he says is, I want to restore you to the full place of being my disciple. I'm going to restore you because you're going to be one of my apostles. I want to restore you because you're going to be one of those people that stands up on Pentecost and says, you crucified Jesus, but I know from personal experience, he is ready to forgive us. He is ready for us to be restored if we will put our faith in him and that restoration. As a parent, if I'm not humble enough to confess that I don't have it all right, that I have flaws and failings, I can promise you, number one, that you'll probably fail as a parent. Number two, the other promise I can make is that the kids will never trust you because they know better than the idea that you're perfect. It is so tempting when we talk about discerning men and identifying men, that we're asking God to lead us in that, and we set up these, these senses of, and we just in Bible class a few minutes ago said these qualifications that they need to be and if they don't check off all the boxes if they're not absolutely perfect they can never be there's only one person who fulfills that and that is the great shepherd the good shepherd Jesus Christ the rest of us are flawed human beings the rest of us are flawed human beings and the idea that we would put someone as an elder 
But the expectation that they will be perfect is flawed. In fact, 1 John chapter 1 will say, if you claim to be without sin, you're the one who's really missed the mark. Instead, what we become is people who confess. And I'm thankful that every one of the elders that I've sat with at this congregation over nearly 13 years of being here has never been above saying, humbling themselves and saying, I'm not sure I got this right. And as opposed to us denigrating people for that, I hope we understand that it makes them a better leader. Does that mean we need to look for leaders who are currently struggling with major issues in their life? And the answer is no. Do we need to look for leaders who are humble enough to say, I don't have it all together and I'm not going to try to give you the impression that I have it all together. Paul will say it succinctly in a couple of places. I'm going to read through from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 a verse and then I'm going to jump to Philippians chapter 3. This will be the majority of our invitation. 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure to be servants of God, the treasure to be somebody that might lead a flock in some way or another. We have this treasure in jars of clay, fragile, often broken, nicked, jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Philippians chapter 3. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. He said that with pride. He hadn't read the Gospels yet, had he? A Pharisee, and as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to be, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. You're going to stand for the invitation, so stand for this. And read with me these last few lines. But one thing I know, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The invitation is Jesus' words to Peter and to you. Do you love me? you'd like to publicly respond to that invitation, you can come at this time. If you're online and would like to make an expression, you can send it through that text that's right there. We'll get it. Do you love me? And 
are you ready to feed my sheep? Why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?
been listening to this few weeks with Alan's uh, lessons on feeding my sheep, and I'll be honest with you, I don't like being a sheep. Um, it's been a, it, throughout my life, I've, I've liked to consider myself independent. Um, I take care of things around the house by myself as much as I can. I, sometimes I get a little over my head on the car uh, or painting. You could tell that if you saw my house. Um, <coughs> But with everyone, I mean, I think as in our in our country, we we've been many of us have been raised to lift ourselves up by our bootstraps and try not to try to be as self-sufficient as possible. And and it's in it's deep in the culture. And I think things are changing, but but there's still a lot of that culture that comes back from hundreds of years ago, that is that is in many of us, and it's certainly in me. And so when I hear that I have to step back and be a sheep, it's it's hard for me to do that. And but everyone, every one of us, I'm sure there's something for you. Maybe it's not the car or something, but there's something that, that you got into that you said, you know, I can't get out of this. I don't know what it is. Um, and, and that's what Jesus is for. So he was the good shepherd. He, he laid down his life for sheep. And these sheep didn't have it all together. They weren't dressed in real nice clothes. They didn't know exactly where to go. And they didn't have big claws, and they could fight off all the lions themselves. I mean, they, they were sheep. They needed to be led. They needed to be protected. And in the end, they needed somebody to sacrifice their life for them. And, and Jesus was that person. So if, if we read in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 6, um, Paul says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is one of those things where I'm a sheep, and, and it's the most important thing at all, and we need a good shepherd. And he did lay down his life for us, and that's what we commemorate and remember every, every first day of the week. That's the prime reason that the church meets, I think, is for us to get together and celebrate this and, and remember. And so we've taken this, um, we're not passing trays, but we each have these interesting little contraptions here with the lid on them. So um, let's take this time to, to remember the body of Christ was made flesh to live with us and show us what a perfect life was. And, and bow with me, please, as we give thanks to the bread. Dear Lord, we're so grateful for, for your love for us, for this creation, this world that you've lived in, and all the blessings of it. Lord, most of all, we thank you for, for you loving us enough to, to save us, to forgive us of our sins, and, and to have your son pay this ultimate price with his life and his, his taking on sin for each one of us. Lord, be with us now as we take of this unleavened bread in remembrance of his body that was made flesh and sent, sent to earth to teach us, to show us, and to, and to die for us. In Christ's name we pray. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let's continue giving thanks for the, for the fruit of the vine. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and, and his, his sacrifice, his shedding of blood for the remission of our sins, the cleansing that we can't do on our own and, and that we can only do through your love and through, and through a perfect being in your son. We understand the, the sacrifice that that was to the best of our ability, Lord, and the pain that he went through in separation from you, the physical pain and the, and the emotional and, and pain. We come out in the end with a, with a saved flock. Be with us now as we take this fruit of the vine in remembrance of, of this sacrifice. In Christ's name we pray, amen. For we have been, if we have been unified with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be unified with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. In a normal time, we would, we would follow this by the passing of the collection tray, but it is not a normal time, as we all know. Um, so instead, um, if, you, if you do so or, or have the opportunity or like to do so, you can give online or, or, or you can set it up for, for um, automatic withdrawals. Or there's, there's a place out here to place a physical payment if you, if you would like to do so. But in, uh, in rem for now, I'm gonna, going to say a prayer to bless our gifts for this week. And you do that however is convenient and best for you. Dear Father, we thank you for the riches that you've bestowed on us. The, the time that we have to, and the blessings that we have, and the, the, the ability that we can go through life for the most part, not worrying about shelter and food, except in, in in rare circumstances, because we, we live in such a rich nation that even the, le the, the least um, blessed of us are, are many times more blessed than others in the world and others throughout history. We're so grateful for this, Father, and we, we know that it, this is not of our doing, that all these gifts come from you. And please be with us as we, as we give those back, that we do so cheerfully, that we do so remembering the source of our gifts. And we pray that, that you will guide us in how to use what, what we have and what we've been given. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Good morning, church. So I wanted to give you a quick update on the elder nomination process. Uh, so it does begin today, uh, the 7th. It's going to run through February 21st, so that's two Sundays from today. 
is going to end at 4 p.m. Uh, so if that Sunday comes and we make a reminder announcement, it's 11:30 on the 20 on the uh, 21st. You still have a few hours to get us your nominations in. Uh, so there is a form in the carrying and sharing. Uh, there's also a stack of forms out in the foyer on the desk. Uh, you can also grab the form on the website. Uh, we'll see that on the next slide. If you cannot get a form either uh, here in the building or on the website, if it doesn't work for some reason or you don't have a printer, you can email us at 2021ljcc at gmail.com uh, with your nominations. Just make sure you include your name and your phone number in case we need to call you for a follow-up. Hit the next slide. Uh, so right there on the website, that's the green button you hit. That'll take you to our little web page. That's where you can download the form, uh, the nomination form here. Next slide, please. Uh, so when you look at the form, just some details to go over really quick. Uh, up at the top, there are some scriptures uh, for you to reference when you're uh, considering your nominations. Uh, just please make sure you read those and you pray over them as you, uh, you determine who your nominees are. Just some key instructions. Uh, they do have to be signed, so you sign your name, you print your name, you provide us your address and your phone number. Uh, again, we need them back by February 21st at 4 p.m. Um, so again, that includes emails. Uh, it's one form per uh, baptized member of a family, so that means no sharing. I've got a form for myself, I've got a form for my wife. Uh, if you email it, it needs to be two separate emails. Okay, it's very important that we can track that. Uh, let's see, names. So uh, there's a spot for five names. You can nominate up to five people. Uh, it's okay to nominate less. If, if you feel like God's only leading you to one or two people, that's totally fine. That's totally okay, but we want to limit it uh, to five nominees per individual. And then again, just make sure you provide your name and information at the bottom and that you sign it. You do need to sign the form. Uh, and then to return it, so there's a box in the foyer right next to the stack of uh, forms. You can put the, the form in there. Uh, you can email us again. You can mail it to the church office. You can give it to a team member. We're going to have a list up on the screen uh, in a minute. Uh, and then we'll go as far as we'll come pick it up from your house if we need to. We want to make sure every person in this congregation is heard as far as who they want to nominate uh, for an elder. And I think that pretty much covers it. Um, but Alan, we did want to thank you for all the effort that you've put into this and uh, trying to ed educate us as a congregation on the, uh, the qualities of what church leaders need. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um, thank you for that committee. Uh, that's going to be a a lot of work. Keep them in your prayers as we uh, move forth through this process and um, spend time in prayer yourselves uh, with the people who are the men that you might uh, nominate and uh, even give them a call and talk to them. Uh, thank you all very much for being here this morning. Um, it's a true blessing for those who are online, for the people who are here in person. Um, thank you so much for your continued giving as you know we're going through that discernment process right now through march 31st and so we let you guys this church tell us what the budget's going to be and it amazes me 
time and time again as we look at this, and we've kind of been doing this now for like five or six years plus. Uh, I mean, we're talking chunk change on what we miss whenever we turn it over to God and let God's hand lead us through this process. And um, it's just amazing uh, the things that we can do. We don't, we don't realize that we want to do. We always have this wish list and uh, the dreams that we want to do. And more times than not, we get to go do them. So thank you so much for, for, your, um, for your discernment during this time. Also, continue to pray about the elder discernment process. Uh, life groups, uh, as we're doing this um, leading well, um, our discussion in our group has been really really good and um i really um want to say thank you to kevin and and chad for their leadership in our group and and then we finish and then our discussion starts again uh, for another hour so um you can tell people are missing being with each other and and the blessing of just being being together but uh to listen and hear the things that they would like to see our church do and the changes they would like to see. It really is a true blessing in their um, thought process and what they want to see. Um, Mike, in his prayer, he prayed for the people, but it was on our list. Uh, so please get the caring and sharing in this week. Spend a little bit of time and look through that list. It is a little lengthy. And um, think about those people and pray over them. Let's pray, and then after my prayer, let's stand, and we'll uh, be led in our closing song. Our Father, thank you so much for uh, this Lord's Day, and we're able to come here, and those who are able to join us online and, and listen to uh, the singing and the singing of the words and lifting praises to you and the blessing that that brings us, and then listen to the words from Alan and uh, taking those scriptures that he read today and, and um, putting them to... To work and into action as we go through this uh, elder selection process. Let us be very prayerful, prayerful people to uh, lift these people up to you and you guide us through this process and I just ask that you also comfort their, those families because uh, um, this process is not easy. It's not always um, uh, something that may be in the best interest of the person or even the church. But I ask you that you, for those names who are brought forward, to um, put a special blessing on them. Guide us as we go through this week. Uh, lift all these up that are on our prayer list, that they have special needs and special concerns. And, and each one of them are, are separate and, and have um, different situations that they're going through. I just ask that you um, uh, put your hands on them and comfort them. Uh, guide us through this week and pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be standing.